Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. I'm anointed to teach your word and your people are anointed to receive, to hear, to understand and to implement. I pray that at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit, the teacher, will instruct us in the way to go. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me have a little bit more volume. Thank you. And um, like I said before, most times in our lives, we are looking at successful people. And there's always this picture of successful people are out there. You know, the ones we see on TV every day, the ones that um, when we get into their presence, it's almost like we're shivering because of their greatness. And because of that, we can overlook the heroes, the daily heroes that are amongst us. And in all of this series we've been doing this month, I've tried to show something. That success is not an event. It is what you're becoming every day. So actually, successful people get to succeed every day. Alright? They're not waiting for that one event. Like the man said, they're not waiting for that one car, that one house. And that's why sometimes... If you are unhappy with your daily life, even when that next car, that next job come, what's going to happen? Your unhappiness will just continue. I think there was something um, Mr. Brown was talking about, about Christ being your anchor, Christ being your hope. There are certain words in the Christian faith, and I taught this on Wednesday, and I'll, I'll plead with you, please. Get all the messages on this success series. If you can, buy them. They are online for free. Just get them. Because even when I go to Finim, I teach something a little bit different. But I try to emphasize the fact that success must be an everyday journey for the child of God. Success must be an everyday journey for the child of God. This morning, I hope I can do that briefly. I want to talk about... Three C's. Comparison, commission, and commitment. Comparison, commission, and commitment. As it relates to godly success. Second Corinthians chapter 10. If we have the amplified version, we can read from the amplified version. Or the New King James Version. But I'd like to read 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'd like to start reading from verse 9. And I'll stop at verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And verse 10 to 15. I, I, I'd like to say this also. Uh, even though we have the scriptures projected. Cultivate the habit of reading the scriptures for yourself. It's very important. Okay? Don't just... Uh, don't just feel it will come up. No. That process of looking for it, finding it, and reading it yourself, it does something to you. So I think that's very important. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 9 to 15. 
neither which which version are you using i didn't say take it off i just gave an instruction which version is there i, I want to find out so i know what to read amplified okay for what's this second corinthians chapter 10 and verse 9 neither would i seem to be overrunning or frightening you with my letters for they say his letters are weighty and impressive and forceful and telling but his personality and bodily presence are weak and his speech and delivery are utterly contemptible of no account verse 11 let such people realize that what we say by letters when we are absent we put also into our deeds when we're present verse 13 not that we have the audacity to venture to class or even to compare ourselves with some who exalt and furnish testimonials for themselves however when they measure themselves with themselves and compare themselves with one another they are without understanding and they behave unwisely the next verse verse 13 we on the other hand will not boast beyond our legitimate province and proper limits but will keep within the limits of our commission remember what i'm talking about comparison commission and what commitment but we will keep within the limits of our commission which god has allotted us as a measuring line and which reaches and includes even you for we are not overstepping the limits of our province and stretching beyond our ability to reach as though we reached not had no legitimate mission to you for we were the very first to come even as far as to you with the good news of the gospel interestingly we find apostle paul talking about comparison and amazingly this is one of the greatest hindrances to success it's even sad that apostle paul was talking about this even in the context of preachers and he says that if we compare ourselves with ourselves he says we are not wise it means we lack understanding you can't tell how many just leave that verse there you can't tell how many people have ruined their lives just by comparison you can tell how many people have ruined their marriages dishonored their husbands dishonored their wives drove their children to the extreme because they were comparing their children with other children around the neighborhood people can inspire us but we're never to compare ourselves because to everyone on this earth there is a unique commission and there is a unique limit and boundary that god had placed around you 
Amazingly, one of the ways by which we rate ourselves that we are not successful is because of what we see other people do. What we see other people drive. What we see other people wear. You know, you can have a child who is very quiet. And it's amazing. If the child is extremely quiet. He gets into the crowd and you're pushing him to play. Go and play. Go and play. Go and play. And then you have a second child who when he gets into the crowd, you're just using your eye to say, don't play, don't play, don't play, don't play. The question is, what do you want? Everybody has their unique grafting by God. We say this all the time, but we don't behave it. I'll give you a typical example. I absolutely love my wife. I absolutely love my wife. But you will likely not find me and my wife holding hands. Maybe we'll go to the shopping, you know, shopping mall. I'm holding the basket with my left hand. I'm holding her with my right hand. You know, you won't, you might, it might, it might be a scene you might not probably found. You know, but it doesn't mean I don't love my wife. And there are people that they can hold their wives, hold the basket, the pick the sardine, they will kiss their wife and put the sardine in the, the basket. They pick biscuits, they will kiss their wife and put it in the basket. It doesn't mean that they love their wives more than I love my wife. Probably it might be it might be because nobody ever kissed me as a child. <laughs> Probably because nobody ever hugged me as a child. Are you following what I'm saying? So I cannot define my love for my wife by your own outward expression. He says comparing themselves with themselves, they are unwise. Saying they are unwise is a diplomatic way of saying that they are foolish. We cannot compare ourselves. I don't know. I can tell you how many times I struggle as a pastor sitting in the office and there's someone talking to me about what this pastor is doing, how this bishop runs this church, how this pastor is running this church, how this guy is running the church. If they were doing so well, God wouldn't have called me. If he called me, then he knew exactly my personality and the way I'm going to run the church. You must, listen to this, these things look very simple, but they must play out in our lives. This is how I am, this is what I'm crafted, this is my assignment. I read, I subscribe to Forbes Africa, so I read Forbes magazine all the time. And I think this month's edition, they're talking about uh, Forbes under 30 millionaires or something. Guys that are 30 years and they're building stuff. They inspire me. I'm not impressed. Do you know why? God is never going to ask me, at 30, did you build an IT company? He never required me to build an IT company at 30. What God is going to be asking me is, at 30, were you in Bonnie Island preaching to the people that I preached to? Will that make me a millionaire? Wasn't part of the call. 
So my success is not defined by how many, um, how much a lot I have in the bank. My success is determined exactly by what I'm doing this morning, teaching you this. And for some other people, their responsibility is to get into business, make as much money as they can, and fund the gospel. God is not going to ask you, were you a successful Sunday school teacher? He's not going to ask you that. You know what he's going to ask you? How much did you make? To fund the gospel. David Green just wrote a new book. That I I bought. I think it came out last month. Absolute brilliant book. We're trying to get copies around. Absolute brilliant book. David Green gives 50% of his company profits. To the gospel. 50%. Probably God is not going to ask me. If I gave 50% of my profit to the gospel. That's even if I have profit. He's going to ask me if I said yes to his call. The day you start, you stop comparing yourself, the day you will be content with where you are and trust God for your own increase. Are you following this? Come on, are you following me this morning? Stop the comparison. If you start comparing yourself, you will never fulfill your commission. You know, one statement I don't like hearing believers say is, my age mates are doing this. I've said that before. Oh, by now my age mates are married. Who said so? Oh, by now my age mates are driving cars. By now my age mates are doing this. By now my age mates are doing that. God did not bring you on this earth with your age mates. He brought you alone for a purpose. Interestingly, I've said it before, it might look joking, but I mean, my wife has stopped asking me, does this look beautiful? She's, what she asked me, is this fine? I said, perfect. Because my definition of fine is not comparing you with someone else. You are the first and last, <coughs> excuse me, you are the first and last definition of beauty. Whoever God has given to you should be your final definition. Whatever God has given to you should be your final definition. We can strive. We can set goals. But like Brown said, to be the best of who we are. I don't have to be an engineer like him. Are you following this? You don't have to be someone else to succeed. Even churches, when you go talk to a pastor, the first thing they're asking you, how many people were there on Sunday? Because now, success in ministry is about numbers. So a pastor writes a book, and behind, he's pastoring the fastest growing church in Nigeria. Who says who? Says who? Let's read something. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 7 to 9. Galatians 2, 7 to 9. 
But on the contrary, when they really saw that I had been entrusted to carry the gospel to the uncircumcised Gentiles, just as definitely as Peter has been entrusted to proclaim the gospel to the circumcised Jews, they were agreeable. Look at this, verse, verse 8. For he who motivated and fitted Peter and worked effectively through him for the mission to the circumcised, motivated and fitted me and worked through me also for the mission to the Gentiles. Okay? Verse 9. And when they perceived, the re- when they knew, perceived, recognized, understood, and acknowledged the grace of God's unmerited favor and spiritual blessing that had been bestowed upon me, James and Cephas, Peter and John, who were reputed to be pillars of the Jerusalem church, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship with the understanding that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised Jews. Interesting story. Paul says, the same God who motivated and fitted Peter for the Jews is the same God who is motivating me and fitting me for the Gentiles. What that means is because you're reaching Jews does not mean you're more successful than I am. Because whatever God has called you to do, He has given you the grace to become that thing. And I tell you this, that's why a lot of us, in quotes, are not successful. Do you know what we're looking for? We're just looking for money. Remember the, the, the message that preached when he came here, the, when he opened the service, when grace speaks. What has God called you to do? What is the grace that God is giving to you? Some of you don't even care about that. All you're looking for is what money, what money, what can money bring? What can, some of you are perfect. I, I mean, interestingly, um, Mr. Brown was talking about it, but interestingly, I've sat down to look at David Green's life. What does he sell? Arts and crafts. He's not selling oil. He's not selling, um, he's not selling whatever. Right now, they are funding a museum, a Bible museum in New York, funded by his family to keep Things they find about the Bible in New York. He's just selling arts and crafts. Today, you're selling oil. The next day, you're selling, um, you're selling Egusi, right? Wake this guy. Yeah, the next day, you're selling, um, you're selling some paper. The other day, you're selling t shirts. What are you looking for? Sometimes you are trained to be an educator. And you know what you're going to say? They don't pay well in teaching. Why have you reduced your life to money? Oh, I like to teach, but there's no money there. And like the video we watch, because we're looking for money, we keep chasing our tails. You like working with children? Oh no, they won't pay us well. You'll never find success chasing after money. you only find it walking in the grace that God is giving to you. You know, most times I used to, I used to tell my friends, 
said, I'm one of the laziest person ever. And he said, why? I said, because I, I, I can't do anything. I can only do ministry. I think ministry. I, ministry is my life. When we're in the university, all over my, 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 my room walls, I have, I have preachers posters all over. I have preachers posters all over. And then I had some of my friends, they had cars, they had, you know, they had so many things. Nothing wrong with that. That was just their passion. And I people sit down with me and say, oh, pastor, we can do this business. Yeah, I'm like, no way. My first response to say we can do business is no. You know why? I'm not crafted for it. I don't think profit. I remember a few times I sold at the shop for my wife. I mean, like, I later... You know, I later began to develop myself. But I remember one young man coming and he wanted to buy books. He didn't have the money. And I saw in him the passion to buy the books. I said, pick all the books you want. The guy picked books. I I paid for him. That's my idea of how to live. But you know, that won't work. (laughs) Or somebody buys a book and it doesn't pay after two months. I just said, my wife, don't worry, just leave it. No, it won't work. Do you know why? God is giving me the heart of a shepherd. He can only work within the context of the church. If I try to say, oh, as a pastor, I need money to support the ministry. And I start doing business. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to walk out of the grace. And I'm making that decision, not because God is not faithful, but because I've started comparing myself with someone else. Oh, that pastor after four years is driving a car. What can I do to drive a car? Maybe I can be selling oil on Tuesday and Wednesdays. I mean, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong in doing ministry and doing business. There are people that God has also given that ability. To do what? To do ministry and to do business. It's their grace. You know, sometimes we celebrate the commission of men of God and say, I belong to this commission at the expense of our own commission. God didn't call all of us to hero, worship, and individual. Every one of you seated here this morning, there is a unique purpose by which God gave birth to you. And not the most important thing to happen to this church. Jesus Christ is. He paid a price. And that's why, I mean, I, men of God inspire me, but I'm never intimidated. I'm never carried away. I'm never carried away by, oh, wow, that man of God. Ooh, Jesus. Oh, I never. Do you know why? If they were all that, God wouldn't call me. If he calls me, that means he believed in me. And if God believes in me, I believe in me. Thank God for the great works they are doing. But we don't compare ourselves. Nobody is a standard of success in ministry. Nobody. If ministry... Let me explain this to you. And I'll say this. I'm using ministry because that's what I am. But you put it in your field. Let me explain this to you. If ministry is about how many people you can gather on a Sunday morning. What about the missionaries that brought the gospel to Africa? Does that mean they were failures? They were not failures. Success to them was being able to bring the gospel and converting one person in your village. It is upon that success that we are building. 
Paul says the same God who motivated and fitted Peter for the Gentile, for the Jews, also motivated and is fitting me for what? For the Gentiles. Do you know why our educational system is crumbling? You know why it's crumbling? Because there are people in schools who are teaching for money who don't care about our kids. You know why schools are not effective? Because there are people who started school for the money. They don't care whether your child learns or not. So your child can fail all the classes. They'll say, well, we don't want the parents to withdraw this child. Promote them. You see daycare workers who don't care about children. They don't even like children. They will tell you, I don't like children. I'm just here for, to keep body and soul together. At the expense of your children. We are, we are living a life that is so wrapped in our values that people will do extremely anything to get money even when the passion is not there. You employ someone, they sit at your shop every day, they are not interested about what you're selling. They just want you to pay them. Passionless people are the most depressing people to get around. People who care about when it's 24th, when it's 25th, when it's 26th. One of the reasons we don't have someone selling at our shop at the point I told my wife, I said, listen, we need to clarify ourselves. Is this thing about the money we make or about the value we want to create? And primary purpose for establishing it, we walked around, we didn't find good bookshop. That's why I started wanting to create value. I said, you know what? Let's be there. Because to us, this is ministry. It's not just business. I can't tell you how many people have walked into our bookshop, we counseled them, prayed with them, recommended good books for them, and their lives are for the better. It's not just about the money. And you know how we make money. Sometimes people call us and order so much books that we make all the profit we should make in a month. There are people who have come to buy books and they pick a particular book and they say, oh, why do you want to buy this book? And they tell me, I say, well, I don't think this book will serve the purpose you want to buy it. And they say, which one would you recommend? I say, we don't have it. But I don't think you should read this. It won't serve the purpose. Because it's not just about how much I take to the bank. It's about a ministry. It's about helping people. It's about saving lives. If we compare ourselves with ourselves, we are not wise. Let's, let's, let's go to Psalm 139. Comparison, commission, and commitment. You've got to find out what God wants you to do. Psalm 139. It's, it's amazing. If you're a parent, you understand what I'm saying. It's amazing how two children will come out of your womb and they're absolutely different. Absolutely different. Absolutely different. You know, we're just laughing. My, my little daughter, why you find Psalm 139? We're going to read from verse 14. We're just laughing how, I mean, thinking about this, my daughter will be four and she has this just an ordinary cloth okay she calls her baby <laughs> you know so she'll carry this baby she'll feed the baby she'll sleep with the baby sometimes she wants to do something she'll say you know the first time she came to the to the room with it she gave it to me that she hold so i thought it was a rack 
So I just took it and threw it somewhere. She started crying that I've thrown her baby away. So I was wondering like, you know, so my wife had to explain. You know, but when I see the way she treats that um, court <laughs> that she calls baby, it's amazing how even from a very small age, the mothering instinct is already wired into her. My son wouldn't think that way. And then sometimes she comes to the room and he says, he's asking me, Daddy, are you okay? I said, I'm okay. He said, okay. And she leaves. My son has never asked me in 10 years if I'm okay. <laughs> you know why? They don't think that way. What I'm trying to say is this. There is something already wired inside of you. From birth. It is fulfilling that thing that makes you a success. Some people care about food. They should do a restaurant business. Some people care about health. They should do health business. You see, we say these things all the time. But you know, because of money, we push ourselves into areas we don't have grace. It's a struggle. You will make the money. You would struggle. At the end, I mean, like Mr. Brown captured absolutely perfect this morning. You wake up in the morning and you're asking yourself, so what next? The money's there. The cars are there. Houses are there. Children are there. But there's something greater that pushes you. And if that motivation is not there, you will never be successful. Psalm 139. Let's read from verse 14. Look at this. Verse 14. I'll confess and praise you for your fearfully and wonderfully, and for the a wonderful sorry, and for the awful wonder of my map. What am I reading? Sorry, I've got two translations here. So, of my birth, wonderful are your works. And that my inner self knows right well. I want to take this verse gradually. Inside of you, there's a grace. Inside you, there is a grace. Your inner self knows it well. Look at the next verse. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought, as if embroidered with various colors. The, the picture here is a picture of embroidery, like weaving. How many of you stayed around ladies that did embroidery, right? Others, they don't, do they still do it nowadays? You know, they take a wool, a big wool, and they start weaving. You know, when they start, you never know what they're weaving. Right? But at the end, it comes out beautifully, either uh, something for the head or something. That's what the scripture is saying. It's like saying, hey, come on. God is just weaving you with many colors of grace, many abilities, many uh, dimensions, many experiences. And your inner self only, see, at the end of the day, you only know that you are the only one that will know if you're successful. You're the only one that will know if you're doing what you should be doing. Are you following what I'm saying? Now look at it. In the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book, 
All the days of my life were written before ever they took shape. When as yet there was none of them. How precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. The word fearfully and wonderfully made in the Hebrew connotes made with great reverence, made with interest or respect. The word wonderfully in the Hebrew connotes being unique and set apart. I'll come back here, but we can find this in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, the New Testament version of this. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. Let's look at Apostle Paul. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15 to 16. But when he who has chosen and set me apart even before I was born, and he called me by his grace, look at verse 16, to reveal... Unveil, disclose his son within me, so I may proclaim him among the Gentiles, the non-Jewish world, as the glad tidings, the gospel. Immediately I did not confer with flesh and blood. I'll, I'll, I'll take it down to this point. That even your body's structure was crafted for a purpose. You know, most times we, we, we don't like our bodies. I, I think maybe it might happen to females a lot because I don't, I don't think, I mean, there are some guys who care about, you know, <laughs> school day we had guys who used to carry powder and comb. <laughs> powder and comb. Alright. You know, but, but sometimes we look at ourselves and we wish we were fatter, we were thinner, we were taller, we were shorter. You cannot be successful if you have not accepted yourself the way you are that you're created in the image of God. My frame was not hidden from you. It wasn't like when God was about to make you, then there was shortage of clay. And say, how much clay do we have here? He says to produce someone as tall as this. Okay, let's just manage it. What do we do? Clay don't finish and he has to go today. No, 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 no. You're not... You're not the product of shortage of materials. You were not managed to the earth. Alright? Or maybe you were so, you're on a bigger side. And God was like saying, we are finished creating everybody. Say, ah, there's still excess clay in the store. And it will expire next month. Say, okay, Adam, just Adam, just Adam. Let everybody come. No, 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 no. The scripture says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Actually connotes a sense that God made you with respect. That is like God was careful about creating you. And that's why sometimes, you know, sometimes for married people, they feel, oh, if I'd married that, my other girl, ah, my life would have been better. No, not true. Because that other girl's advantage might be this one's disadvantage. And this one's disadvantage would be the other girl's advantage. Are you following what I'm saying? There's some girls when they come out smashing, you're just, it's like, you know, you're just worshiping holy, holy, too much swag. And then they cook for you, you finish eating, you are saying unholy, unholy, too much salt. (laughs) And there are some other ones, you have to help them get their swag together. But when they cook for you, you're screaming holy, holy. You have to make a choice. And sometimes you can have both. When you're young, there's something stuff like I said, which is absolutely brilliant. Make your choice with the end in mind. When you're young, you choose 
ladies probably for their physical features. When you are old, you choose for their character. If you are wise, you will choose for character from the beginning. Because at the end of the day, the whole body will degenerate. You know, sometimes we feel it's only the ladies that are losing shape. Well, have you looked at yourself lately? Are you following what I'm saying? But when you look at yourself, you say, I'm a man, I'm a man. No. No. Sometimes also, it's about comparison. It's about comparison. Don't hurt the people closest to you by comparison. Don't hurt them. Allow your children grow up in their unique personality. Allow your wife in her unique personality. Be yourself. This looks very simple, but it's the foundation of success. See yourself the way God sees you. Praise the name of the Lord. So Paul says, from my mother's womb, I was crafted for this mission. And you know, if you study Bible, you see that every time Paul was beaten, was the times he went to preach to the Jews. You know, at a point he said, even if I have myself burned so that the Jews can be saved, that means your zeal is not equal to your grace. Most times, people struggle in life because they step out of their area of grace. They step out of their area of grace. They step out of the limits that God has given to them. Even as a minister, I, I mean, I thank God for Europe, I thank God for US, I thank God for all the developed countries. I've never been very passionate about going to preach there. No. My heart is in this continent. I mean, I'm not joking. If you give me an opportunity to preach in London, and you give me an opportunity to preach in Mali, I'll take Mali first. I won't even think about it. I won't pray about it. That'll be my first option. Just because, you know what? I just sense that there's a grace on my life for this region. I mean, with the door open, we got open doors to other region? Absolutely. Boundaries do not limit you. Boundaries keeps you safe. Every life without boundary will ultimately fail. You must have boundaries. The boundaries of your commission. I am not evangelistic by nature, meaning that I, 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 I kind of struggle to preach in crusades. I remember the first crusade I preached, 20 minutes, my message was over. Pastor Azuka had to rescue me. Okay, but Pastor Azuka is very good with crusades. When we went to Burundi, they had uh, we had to preach in crusades in the morning and then do teaching and trainings in the evening. You know what I did? I gave him all the crusades. Why? Not because I didn't know what to preach. That's not the area of my grace. He did all the crusades. I did all the leadership training. You must learn if you want to be successful in God. To be able to walk to a place and say, hey, come on, I don't have grace for this area. One of the mistakes, and I'll say this here, and I, I hope it helps us. One of the mistakes we are making in the body of Christ is ordaining every serious person as a pastor. It will ruin us. Pastoral work is more than that you can preach. 
there is a grace and a calling into that office. And sometimes even as pastors we make the mistake when we force our wives to preach. You know, I've heard people say, are you carrying your wife along in the ministry? I say, there's no need to carry her along. There's two of us that are doing the ministry. But you know what carry along means? I preach this Sunday, she preached next Sunday. I preach on Wednesday. This thing is not competition. It's not about who can preach more. No. Or rather, it's not an insurance policy if I'm not there so that my wife can hold the place. What is he holding? This thing is about God. <clears throat> this, this is spiritual. The first thing, when I married my wife, I told her, you don't have to do anything in church. She just want to show up and be a member, fantastic. You don't have to preach, you don't have to sing, you don't just find out something you can do and serve God and be normal. Just be a normal human being. You don't have to wear high heat shoes, you don't need to wear, in fact, I had to ban hats. Cause you know, the in thing was every pastor's wife had hats that would block everybody. I said, you're not carrying that satellite dish to my house. I don't, we, we hardly had space to keep clothes, not to be, be keeping DSTV uh, cables all over the place. Just be normal. You're a human being. <clears throat> Just the fact that you married an engineer doesn't mean that you're an engineer. Can you grow up and be of a blessing? Absolutely. But then, there are people that God calls both couples and anoints both of them. And when you hear both of them, you say, hey, come on, these guys are anointed. So at the end of the day, what is the perfect model? There's no perfect model. It's the grace that God has given to you. The one that both of them are running the church, is he a perfect example? Excellent, if they have the grace. The one that's running the ministry alone is a perfect example. Excellent if he has the grace. So at the end of the day, there's no basis for comparison. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's do three more scriptures. And then we'll close. Numbers chapter 2 verse 2. Numbers chapter 2 verse 2. I just want to show you from Numbers chapter 2 verse 2. It says, The Israelites shall encamp each by his own tribal standard. The word standard there means flag or banner with which the inside of his father's house opposite the tent of the meeting and facing it on every side. What I wanted to pick up from this verse is that they had 12 tribes but each had a different responsibility. The Levi were the, were the priesthood tribe. Judah was in charge of praises. So it would be wrong for a Levite to say, Ah, I'm tired of serving. I want to go and lead praises. No. You didn't have the capacity. It's not your tribe. It's not your calling. I, I taught this on a Wednesday service when we're still at the other side. But I, I, I don't know what under which topic I taught it. But I said this. When God gave the parable of the talent, that word talent actually means money. It's not gifts. It's money. It's Bible word for money. He rebuked the man that did not make profits. And I told them that day in service. I said, if you're a businessman, if you're not making profit, you're not in the will of God. God wants you to make profit. It is his will. In fact, he calls you wicked, lazy, if you're not making profits. But you know what? If God looks at me, he's not going to expect me to make monetary profits. If I make monetary profit, then God calls me wicked and lazy. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So that means that my expectation, God's expectation of my brother and God's expectation of me are completely different. And so there's no basis for me to compare myself with himself. Are you following what I'm saying? And this is, I mean, this looks simple. But it might take you a whole lifetime to understand this. Now listen, we're not in a competition. We all have a unique commission. Let's read First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11. There's always a temptation. The TV is always putting those things on our, oh, this is what the new symbol of success is. This is what the new symbol of success is. At the end of the day, success is fulfilling God's plan for our life. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 11. 2.12 I think I'll, I'll just end here because time is gone 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 11 to 12 to make it your ambition and definitely endeavor to live quietly I want to just speak out a couple of things from this verse and then we can we can pray make it your goal to live quietly and peaceably or peacefully we live in a world that is full of showmanship. We live in a world that is always seeking to impress. Always making people know what you have or what you don't have. Godly, successful people live quietly. Be calm about your life. Don't seek to impress people that don't even know that you exist. Look at the next verse. The next line. To mind your own affairs. To mind your own affairs. I was just thinking this morning. I was just thinking this morning. I mean, we have all those guys who have shared with us. And most of them, hey, come on. My parents had a humble background. They gave us the little they can. But you know that at that point in time, there were also people whose parents had so much money. But when you look back now, at the life you're living and you can look back at your parents and say hey come on I can build a house for you the question I was just asking myself as we were talking was can you look at that man and say this man was a failure no because now you've got an offspring who bears his name who represents him everywhere with a godly authority so actually at the end of the day you cannot have parameters for success it has to be, are you doing exactly what God wants you to do? And I mean, if God's plan for your life is to make billions of dollars so you can help the poor, so you can build orphanages, if you're making 100 million, you're a failure. I know everybody will say, that's, that's the plan. You have just mentioned the plan. The truth of the matter that not all of us will be millionaires in this life. That's the truth. You know why? Some of our purpose don't require it. Yeah, true. True. Very true. Very true. God will furnish you with exactly everything you need for your purpose. Sometimes I say, oh, if God gives me, I know what I will do with it. The question is, can you, can you look at your giving record in the last three years and tell me how much you've done with what God has given to you? It's not about what you're going to do. Remember, success is not an event. It's what you're already doing right now. Look at the next line. A 
says, mind your own affairs and to walk with your hands as we charged you. So that you may bear yourself becomingly and be correct and honorable and commit, command the respect of the outside world. Being dependent on nobody, self-supporting and having need of nothing. I'd like you to take this word about minding your own affairs. He references this again in Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 11 to 12. Second Thessalonians 3, 11 to 12. He writes this twice to the, to the Thessalonica, uh, church in Thessalonica. Verse what? 11 to 12. Second Thessalonians 3, 11 to 12. Indeed, we hear that some among you are disorderly. They, that they are passing their lives in idleness, neglectful of duty, being busy with other people's affairs instead of their own and doing no work. Now we charge and exhort such persons, administers in him, exhorting those in the Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah, that they walk in quietness and earn their own food and other necessities. In fact, in verse 10, he says, For while we are yet with you, we give you this rule and charge. If anyone will not walk, neither let him eat. In fact, you can go to verse 7. For you yourselves know how it is necessary to imitate our example. For we were not disorderly or thinking of duty when we were with you. We were not idle. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Remember, this is an apostle of the Lord Jesus. But with toil and struggle, we work night and day that we might not be a burden or impose on any of you for our support. It was not because we do not have a right to such support, but we wish to make ourselves an example for you to follow. For while we were with you, we gave this rule and charge. If anyone will not work, let him not eat. I'm going to, I'm going to address this. I'm going to address this. As I, as I continue in this study. Because sometimes we, don't, we, we, we get in a wrong understanding of what church is. Especially when it comes to welfare. Paul said it clearly to Timothy. So if you have a widow among you who is still young and his family cannot support him, he says, let her or him look for something to do. And he gave a criteria of the age you should be before the church gives support. And I'll say this here. <clears throat> that the reason most of us need support is because we're comparing ourselves with others. What do I mean by that? You're starting your life. You know the kind of house you can afford. Go and stay there. We just heard the story of one of our brothers that he stayed in two rooms. There are things you should never pray about. If what you can afford is one room, don't say my age mates are in three bedroom flats. That three bedroom flats might be the beginning of your failures. Are you following what I'm saying? <clears throat> I mean, this is how I live my life. When graciously some people blessed us with this car we're driving now. We had the first car we're driving. I mean, somebody told, oh wow, God has not blessed you before. You can use two cars. For what? Where are we driving to? From here to roundabouts. So as I'm driving, my wife is behind me as convoy. Does it make sense? I mean, there might be need for it, but if there's no need for it, it's not a proof that God has blessed us. 
because when the person tells you god has blessed you he has forgotten that now you need to fuel two cars now you need to change tires of two cars now you need to repair <coughs> two cars now you need to do papers for two cars that might be a curse it might be your downfall but will the time come most probably we've lost the ability to impress people it has been demobilized are you following what i'm saying I mean, earlier, earlier this year we had the option of moving to a bigger place and a better place. I was just thinking about it. And graciously the church pays for our rent. And the church could afford it. But I just sat there with my wife. We talked about it. Like, I mean, so why are we moving? I mean, we're still fine here. There's no big deal. Is that place better and finer? Yeah, but just okay. We can put that money into somewhere else. We can do something else with it. We can put more into the building. Because you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not how to impress anybody. When people say a man like you cannot be here, they're about to kill you. <laughs> there are some advice you take. I say, I thank you very much, but godliness with contentment is great gain. You know what? At the end of the day, we'll all get there. At the end of the day, we'll wake up in houses, we'll look up and say, Are we in heaven? Did we finally make it? You understand what I'm, I'm just I'm just joking, but at the end of the day, we'll get there, we'll drive the cars, we'll go to the nations, we'll do stuff. But time is working in our favor. Never do today what you're what you're supposed to do tomorrow. When tomorrow comes, you might not be available to do it. Grow. Learn to grow. How can a man like me not afford this? Calm down. The time will come. But you know, the funny thing is, by that time, when that time comes, you'd have lost taste about those things. You'd have lost taste. I don't know if this has happened to many of you. There's this new phone that comes out. I like, wow, I need this phone. And you buy it. And you're using only three things. The WhatsApp, the email, and, and there are gadgets there. And you see young people are killing themselves. Man, if I hold this phone, if I do this, I, you've lost that ability. Our greatest gift from God will be the ability to lose desires for the material world. It will make us focus on Him. And I'll tell you, you wake up one day, you look back, and discover that everything you thought would make you happy had come and had just gone. And you have it. A time will come, you would have the money. A time will come, you would have all these things. But you know what? It won't do anything to you because right from day one, you set the right goals. Are you still here? We don't compare ourselves. We focus with commitment on our commission. God will hold us responsible for the things he's called us to do. Let's pray. I just wanted to to meditate this morning. And I know, I know, I know this. I know this from the bottom of my heart. That God is going to grant us, I tell you, resources for this kingdom. God is going to grant us open doors. Things are going to shift in our lives. We'll look back 10 years from now like, wow, how did we get here? It will not be something we pursued. It will be just grace speaking on our lives. It will be God just walking to us. This morning, if there's anything you're comparing yourself with, take it out from your heart 
and just open up to the Lord and say, Father, I'm here to just do exactly what you want me to do. I'm here to fulfill my purpose. I'm here to fulfill that reason why you called me. This is not about... Uh, about this person. It's not about that church. It's not about that minister. It's about the talents and the abilities that God has given to me. So we can do much more. Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory. Blessed be your name forever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Have you been blessed this morning? Okay, let's... Um... Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.